Things in your life may not be happening the way you think they should right now. And you don't fully understand. But if you're going to have victory in your life, you have to come to the place of saying, God, this is your deal. God has promised to bless your life. Maybe you don't understand how God could possibly turn the events of your life into a blessing. But we have to understand that even though we don't understand, God does. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. Faith is what we've been talking about over the last few weeks. And I want to make a very profound statement. It's not a statement that I've made. It's a statement that's been around for many, many years. But it is a statement that we need to adhere to because, once again, I I think we fall short in this. And the statement very simply is, is faith is not believing God can. Faith is knowing God will. And if you and I are going to be victorious in this Christian life, that's the name of our series, Living a Victorious Christian Life. If we're going to be victorious in this Christian life, we have to develop the kind of faith that doesn't believe only that God can, but believes with all their heart that God will. If we ever want to get our life together, or if we have gotten our lives together in some semblance of the term, and want to keep it together, there is only one way that we can do that, and that is to learn what God said is true. And that God will do exactly what he said, and what God said is what he will do. This is a struggle that we have in this consumer world that we live in. I don't know about you, but the last time I went up to McDonald's, I wanted my Big Mac now. You did too. The last time you went to Starbucks and you saw a line of 15 people ahead of you, you, what is the goal? I want my... Well, ladies and gentlemen, God doesn't work at the snap of a finger. God's plan is never early. God's plan is never late. But God said, if you want to be a part of my plan, you've got to learn to trust me. The only way we can make sure that our lives work the way they are supposed to work is with an unconditional, unequivocal trust for God. And today what I want to do is I'm going to look at one very simple passage in the Scripture that gives you the entire foundation and formation of how 
to take God at his word. Proverbs 3 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Underline this in your notes. Lean not to your own understanding. When I was growing up, we used to call that our own stinking thinking. Lean not to your own understanding. Acknowledge him in everything you do, in all your ways. And then underline this next phrase, and he will make your path straight. In that two simple passages of Scripture, the entirety of living the victorious life is outlined. And for the next few moments, I want to take you on this journey to help us understand that faith is not believing that God can, but it's believing that God will. See, not knowing how all things work, I'm in your notes, you and I must look to the one who works all things. That's why the scripture here in Proverbs 3 starts out very simply. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Is that in your notes? Is it? Take a pencil and circle that word all. Trust in the Lord with some of your heart. When things are going bad, trust in God. Is that what it's saying? When things are going good, trust in God. How many know folks? I know there's three types of people in the world. Three types of folks in the world. There's those that make things happen. Those are those that watch things happen. And then the most that just don't know what's happening. We need to be a people that know what's happening because we know the one who is happening. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And then once again, do this for me, please, in your notes. Lean not, underline this, and lean not on your own understanding. Someone said many, many years ago, if life deals you lemons, learn how to make lemonade. You know what they were simply saying? Life is full of ups and downs. And I don't know about your life, but my life, many times in times gone by, has been more down than up. And in our text, it simply implies that life will take unexpected turns. And you and I will not, but I want to also encase this word, or this term, that we should not expect to understand why it is going the way it is going. I take you back to two very, very, golly, I could take you back to a hundred of them. You go back to the book of Job. How many of Job would have liked to have the book of Job when he was going through the stuff that Job was going through? Amen. He would have liked to sit down and read, okay, chapter 44 says it's all going to be okay. Great. But how many know that Job was living the book of Job? Amen. And we have the book of Job because we had a man that trusted in the Lord with all of his heart and leaned not to his own understanding. If Job tried to figure this thing out, I don't know about you, I think I would have given in after the second round of problems. 
You see, the Bible says that Job didn't lose some things. The Bible says Job lost everything. And you know what he wound up saying? Praise the Lord. The Lord gives. The Lord takes away. Naked I came in. Naked I go out. Job understood something. He said, this is God's deal, folks. Take your finger. Put it up in the air like this. Now, this is going to be silly. This is why we don't like pointing at ourselves, because it looks silly. We like pointing at everybody else, because, you know. But do it like this. And now look at the tip of your finger and say, this belongs to God. It isn't your deal. Is that okay? Some of you get nervous, aren't you? Oh, he's walking off the platform now. We're getting real nervous. It's silly, isn't it? But where in the Bible does it say it's your life? My Bible says very simply, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. See, Job understood. Okay, I lost my farm. I lost all the animals. I lost all my possessions. I lost my kids. And the wife is haranguing me. God, did you forget something? Okay, just kidding, just kidding. Just, that's not, it's not in my notes, okay? That's just right there. And now he's got his wife and three friends that are telling him, why don't you curse God and die? And he said, hey, this is God's deal. He wakes up the next morning, he's got these big old sores all over him, big boils and all this kind of stuff. And, and all of a sudden, now his friends take it to the next degree, certainly you're cursed of God. And you know what Job said? Though he kill me, I'll not stop praising him. Job couldn't figure it all out. Let me tell you something. When things are going wrong, the worst thing you can do is try to handle it on your own. When things happen that you and I don't understand, and they will, this is where we need to open this book up, this Bible up, and turn to Proverbs 3 and take that single line out. says, trust in the Lord with all my heart and lean not to my own understanding. God, I can't figure this out, but it's your deal. I belong to you. A am I making sense today? Now, let me inject this, ladies and gentlemen. It's okay to say, God, I don't understand what's happening. Thank you. This building doesn't have air conditioning, folks. I don't know if you noticed that. If you want to make... <laughs> you think it's hot out there, you ought to be standing up here. I don't usually take my jacket off, but there it is. In all of its glory. 
It's okay to say, God, I don't understand why this is happening. Look, look at me, church. It's okay to say, God, I don't understand why my business failed. I don't understand why I got fired, why I lost my job. I don't understand why my friends did what they did, and they were part of the church. I don't understand. Why do I have to deal with these health problems? God, I don't understand. That's okay. It's okay to even get upset at God. See, God, I, what, what? You remember when I was talking about Job a moment ago? Think about the picture. Uh, uh, you can read the story yourself after we're done. The Bible says that Satan was walking to and fro on the earth, kind of twiddling his thumbs, don't have a whole lot to do. So he winds up going back and forth to heaven, and he's in the presence of God. Yes, he still has that ability, folks. And God said, what are you doing here? He said, well, I'm walking to and fro on the earth, you know. Ain't got a whole lot to do, you know. I've already burnt down three villages. I've already killed 15,000 people. I've already knocked out this. I'm kind of bored. And listen to what God does. Oh, don't you love God? Have you considered my servant Job? You talk about being thrown under the bus. Oh, Brandon, how do you like that? Have you considered my servant Brandon? And then all hell breaks loose in the Bergstead household. Have you considered my servant Adam? Have you considered my servant Kim? Have you considered... God, do you know why we're like that? It's because we don't see the bigger picture. If God didn't think he could trust us, he wouldn't have said that. When you're going through some of the things you're going through, did you ever stop to think it might be because God is going to use you for a greater glory in somebody else's life? Have you ever thought about it like that? That maybe what's happening is to bring further glory to God? David is anointed king, but it was almost 25 years before he took the throne. Abraham was promised a son, and it was years and years and years until the son actually arrived. But let me... Take you from Job to Abraham. Job was a picture of what you should do. Abraham's the picture of what you shouldn't do. Let's look at our notes here. Abraham, childless, and God changes his name from Abram to Abraham, which means the father of many nations. He's childless. God tells him he's going to be the father of a great nation in Genesis 12, and through him all the nations of the world would be blessed. And here he don't have a kid. And so he's thinking, okay, God, do you realize how old I am? How many know age is not a problem with God? I've had a lot of people pay, say, Pastor, I'm so young, people won't respect me because of my youth. Age has nothing to do with age. It has to do with maturity. And God looked at Abraham and said, you're going to be a father. You're going to be the father of many nations. Matter of fact, the entire world. Abraham thought... Well, God, I think you must have forgot me. I'm past my childbearing years. 
I can't imagine how you're possibly going to keep this promise. So Abraham and Sarah put their heads together and figured it out for themselves. Hmm. They chose one of Sarah's maids, Hagar, and said, uh, you're going to give my husband a son to fulfill the promise of God. Now, let me ask you, you don't have to read it right now, but Genesis 12, was there any place in there where God said he was going to use somebody else besides Sarah? Was there any place in there that God said he's going to use somebody else besides Abraham? In your life, when you're going through that, if you're going through it, do you think God's going to use somebody else or you to get you to the other side? Oh, you want to do the finger thing again? Oh, okay, no, you don't. Okay. He's going to use us. Now, I don't know about you. I just kind of an afterthought and put this message together. I was thinking about it and thinking, okay, hmm. Sarah picks a maid. You know, I was wondering, I don't think she probably would have picked the best-looking girl in town. That, that's just kind of an afterthought for you guys to grab a hold of if you want. But we know the story is Ishmael was born, and I can picture God on this day. He pats Abraham on the back and says, congrats, Abe. You have a son. Not exactly what I had in mind, but you and Sarah figured it out. There you go. His name will be Ishmael. Matter of fact, the Bible says that it means the son of bondage. God said my plan was a son named Isaac, which means the son of promise, laughter, joy. Abraham and Sarah thought they had it all figured out, but how many know that they leaned to their own understanding? Can I tell you something? If God directed it, God's more than able to be the one who will perfect it. God will bring it all to pass. And if you'll hear me for just a moment this morning, God had a greater plan than Abraham and Sarah could have ever imagined. The only problem was, is all they could look at was the immediate situation. She's 90s, he's hundreds. It's not logical for us to have kids at this age, so let's try to make some way to bring this to pass. What was Abraham and Sarah not doing? Trusting in God. Rather, they trusted their own ability to work things out, their limited understanding. If I can say anything in this first part of this message, is when things aren't going right, stop trying to figure it out and start trusting God. God, this is your deal. The Bible gives us the picture. Once again, we didn't have the book of Genesis we didn't have Exodus and Numbers and Deuteronomy and, and Leviticus. We didn't have all those books when all of this was transpiring. So we don't know that because Abraham and Sarah decided to do their thing that there would be problems that would follow. The Bible says that Sarah became envious of Hagar and made Abraham run him out of the city. The Bible says that Ishmael will be a great nation. And we have that nation today. It's the Islamic nation. He said, you will become a great nation in a foreign land. And folks, let me get a little political for a moment. The sons of Ishmael 
and the sons of Isaac have been fighting ever since. The war you have in the Middle East is the war between Ishmael and Isaac. It has never changed. You say, well, what about America? We're all part of the war, folks. We're all part of the big picture. The big picture is God said, I win. How many know it's pretty cool when you write the book? He wrote the ending too. He wins. Can somebody say amen this morning? Things in your life may not be happening the way you think they should right now. And you don't fully understand. But if you're going to have victory in your life, you have to come to the place of saying, God, this is your deal. God has promised to bless your life. Maybe you don't understand how God could possibly turn the events of your life into a blessing. But we have to understand that even though we don't understand, God does. God has promised that he will turn all of the bad around for good. That he will turn your mess into a message. Your trial into triumph. And at this point, we don't fully understand how all this is going to happen. But we don't have to. God says, trust in me with all your heart. Trust that wherever you're at, that God is working out what he's working in. I remember many years ago, I, I've, traveled, I've traveled a lot. I've traveled all over the world and, uh, doing crusades and, and pastor's conferences. And, and, I, and I've preached in front of hundreds of thousands of people around the world. And in doing that, you can't really take a bus. You can take a boat. It takes a long time. So I did most of it by airplane. Almost a million miles, as a matter of fact. And I remember one time I was coming back from, from uh, Kenya. I was in Africa. I had just been, I had been from, from, uh, U- from uh, Ghana to Uganda to Ethiopia, and now I was in Kenya. And I was going to be headed home after this. And I, I do a lot of traveling on airplanes, and I'm kind of strange. I, I actually watch movies and watch things about airplane crashes before I get on airplanes. Because uh, I figured, hey, they got to figure it out. So if there was something happened, I'd know at least what kind of to do. I always thought it'd be cool to, to die in an airplane accident. I'd be 40,000 feet ahead of you. If the rapture happened or something, you know, I'd be 40,000 feet ahead of you. But anyway, did you ever notice that airplanes don't really have headlights that they run by at nighttime? Okay, they got wing lights. They have, that's more for landing and, and taking off. It's not for the actual flight. Well, at nighttime, airplanes actually, they have no clue. They're sitting there in the cockpit. They can't see anything but the stars. They can't see anything. If it's overcast, they can see absolutely nothing. What they go by are their gauges, a whole instrument panel. If I was flying across the Rockies, I can tell you right now, I would prefer to have a pilot that knew how to follow the instruments than line of sight. Because he can say, well, I think the mountains are on the left, so I'm going to go to the right. I don't think so. I was leaving Kenya to fly back to London. And from Kenya, it's almost a straight line across the Sahara uh, up, to, up to London. I go across, I, I get out, and we're on a 747. 
You know, it's not really that luxurious. It's kind of a cattle car. They got as many seats as you could possibly put on a plane. So I'm on this plane, and I'm taking off. And I was kind of concerned because the plane had shown up at my, at my, at my stop in Kenya from Dar es Salaam, which is in Tanzania. And, you know, it's a flight that I've taken many, many times. So the plane comes in from Dar es Salaam, and, and it lands, and, and I see the crew come off, and they're changing, and they're getting ready to go. And I asked the people what happened, and they said our, ra- our radar went out. I thought, hmm, okay. But we got it fixed. Cool. Because it's going to be, it's uh, like 2 o'clock in the morning. And uh, thinking, okay. So I get on the plane, and I'm fine, and I buckle in, and all of a sudden, we take off. Not a problem. Well, it's a thunderstorm around us, as it would be that time of year, and, and we take off, and we're going up through the thunderstorm, and all of a sudden, the plane's shuddering, and it's doing all the stuff. How many had ridden one of those wonderful rides before? And it's shuddering, and, and all of a sudden, it's shuddering really bad. And I'm thinking, okay, this guy's trying to get us over this. I hear the engines whining like he's taking us over the clouds, and I'm thinking, praise God, we'll get out of this thing. I can get some sleep, because it's about an 11-hour flight from Kenya to London, and all of a sudden, the airplane noise gets louder and louder and louder, and it never quiets down. All the way to London, this plane is shaking. All the way to London, these engines are, are revving like I've never heard other than trying to climb out. We landed in London, and as I was looking out the window and coming into I see all kinds of Fire equipment. I see all kinds of emergency equipment on the runway. I see nothing else on the runway. I took clues. We might have a problem. We're landing in London, and they have they have a team of uh, of uh, British Airways people come on the plane, escort everybody off the plane, and they have papered up the the landing area to where you couldn't look back out to see the plane. Well, me being inquisitive like I was, accidentally tore a hole in the paper. It was, it was accident. And how many know that the 747 is a pretty big plane? The entire nose of the plane was torn away. Somewhere between London and and uh, Kenya, the plane had taken multiple direct hits by lightning because the nose cavity is where all of the radar is. And guess what wasn't working? They were flying by gauges. Everything seemed to be going wrong, but those gauges told them exactly where they were going. Your life is that airplane. And it may be getting palmated by strikes of hell. But as long as you got your eyes on the one who knows how to fly by gauges, God's going to get you to your destination. We landed in London. I actually read later that plane should not have made it. It should have went down. Who do you think I was flying with that night? See, the bottom line, ladies and gentlemen, our life is not our own. And when we're trusting God, 
we have to understand that every event that happens in life, we have to trust that God will do what he promised. Our own understanding won't get us through. But trusting God will. Can somebody say amen? Quickly this morning, not only is a matter of trusting God and leaning not to our own understanding, but every decision you and I make should be weighed against the wisdom of Scripture, not the wisdom of man. If I ever give you wisdom that contradicts God's word, take God's word. If I ever give, somebody ever gives you some leading that contradicts what God has said in his word, take God's word. You see, most don't need convinced that it's a good idea to seek God's guidance when making a major decision, such as a career move, or moving, or getting married, or something like that. The big decisions we understand, I need to seek God. But the Bible says, in all your ways... Underline that. Every single thing you do, seek God. Marriage, dating, family, career, personal life, finances, God's input should be the significant role of every aspect of your life. You know, when you're in school, if you get eight out of ten answers, you're doing good. You'll pass. If a salesman closes 8 out of 10 deals, he's phenomenally successful. But when it comes to trusting God in your life and my life, 8 out of 10 isn't good enough. We have to acknowledge God in every area. The way we manage the different areas of our life comes down to the kind of decisions that we make. How much time that we spend in the office, we should take it to God. How much time we spend at home, how much money we spend at recreation, we should take to God. How much money we put away for retirement, how much money we give to the church, what kind of music we listen to, what kind of movies we watch. Oh man, I'm going to start meddling now, aren't I? What kind of books we read. Are these decisions that we take to God? And yet we wonder, why aren't we living the victorious life that God wants us to live? Remember the old adage of 40 years ago, junk in, junk out? Am I the only one that remembers that? How is it that we can expect to live a victorious Christian life if we're putting all this detrimental non-Christian stuff in our lives? If the Bible is the only book you don't read, Folks, I like reading. But I want to read this more than anything. If we're going to sit down and, and watch a movie, oh, I'll watch, I'll watch a fun movie like, I don't know, something like Pirates of the Caribbean. I was going to tell you the movies I really like to watch, like Lion King and Lady and the Tramp and things. You know, just those sensible movies. But I'll watch the heavy stuff like Pirates once in a while. Star Trek, I'll, I'll get really bad and get Star Wars, okay? But the reality, if I'm always putting junk in, why do I get this idea that I should live a victorious life? 
Am I doing okay? In all our ways, acknowledge him. Making decisions the way God wants is the way that we trust him. What we're saying is, God, my natural inclination is to lean towards you and what you have said. I want to make a right decision. You know, the Bible says in Matthew 6, verse 8, that God knows what we have need of before we even ask. So would it not be good to lay all these requests before God? You see, the Bible says, in all of our ways, acknowledge him. Can I tell you something? It'll stop us getting into a lot of trouble. The last time you got in trouble, how many think you might not have gotten in trouble if you would have said, God, what do you think about this? But we didn't, did we? We don't know what tomorrow holds. So we need to look to the one that holds tomorrow. Let's go back to our scripture. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. I'm giving you an outline for living a victorious Christian life. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. What's he say? Trust me. Stop trying to figure it out. Acknowledge me. And look what he says. I'll make your path straight. You know what he is literally saying? I'll take the bumpy things and I'll smooth them out. I'll take the things that are too high for you to climb and I'll bring them a little lower. Those depressive things that are taking you too low, I'll lift them up. He said, I'll make it straight for you. If you'll trust me with all your heart, if you'll lean not to your understanding, if everything you do, you'll put me first. Matter of fact, in Proverbs 16, 7, it says, when a man, his ways please God, he said, I'll even make your enemies to be at peace with you. In Luke chapter 3, it says, every valley, I will fill it in. Every mountain and hill, I will bring it down. Every crooked, crooked road, I will make it straight. Every rough road, I will make it smooth. What God is saying is life is not going to be easy but I'm going to make it bearable. I'm going to make it attainable. I'm going to make it conquerable. Why? Because God said, you're giving me the purpose and direction of your life because you understand it's not about you. It is about me. Can somebody say amen? You see, you're not just a husbandman, a husband, a businessman, a father, a counselor, a leader, an ambassador for Christ, and so on. You are a child of God and one that has a purpose to fulfill in this life. And if we're not fulfilling that purpose, it probably is not God's fault. Trusting God. Having faith means that all the areas of life aren't going to make sense. So let me wrap this up quickly this morning. What does it mean to trust God? 
Another word that is very interchangeable in the scripture for trust is the word obedience. When we obey God, it simply means we're trusting God. Obeying God is a way of stepping out and saying, God, I'll take your word that this is what it is for my life. I'll take you at your word that you said step out in faith and I'll step in in fact. I'll take you at your word that you said you'll supply all my need. I'll take you at your word that you said I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You say, well, pastor, I I do that, but I'm still having struggles and, and things are falling apart. Did God's word change? Take him at his word. See, his word also says that he won't let us go through anything we cannot handle. See, trusting God means you've got to step out sometimes. I remember reading a story about a guy that took his very first skydiving lesson. He was all shooted up, and they were up in the plane. I don't know whether 20,000 feet, something like that. How many ever went skydiving? How high is it? 20,000 feet? It's up there. You're higher than this building. Let's put it that way. (laughs) And he's having a little second thought, and he's looking at the guy, his his instructor, and they're all strapped in, and, and all of a sudden, he's looking at the ground that seems very far away, and he's talking to the instructor, and he was about ready to jump, and he asked, can I trust that this parachute will open? And the instructor said, only one way to find out, as they tumbled out of the plane. Can you trust what this Bible says? There's only one way to find out. You've got to start obeying. got to start believing. You know a man that trusted? His name was Peter. Oh, he had lots of problems. But he trusted enough to step out of the boat. He trusted enough to leave what he knew, his comfort zone, and to step into what didn't make sense. Job trusted enough to know that no matter what was going on, that God was still in control. David knew enough to say, it doesn't matter, God is in control. Oh, let's go back to Abraham, the guy that did it all wrong. The Bible says that very plainly that Abraham, against hope, believed hope. And God made him the father of many nations. Oh, he messed up, but he got back up. You see, we can either wander in the dark, trying to figure it out, or we can just say, okay, this plane ride's a little bumpy. I think God's going to get me to my destination. Go back to our text. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, but in everything you do, Trust, and he'll make the path straight. Acknowledge, and he'll make the path straight. Believe, 
and he'll make the path straight. Ecclesiastes are believed to be the last words written by Solomon, the same one that wrote Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And if you have your Bibles, turn to the 12th chapter. The 13th verse says it this way. Now all has been heard, and this is the conclusion of the matter. You want to live a victorious Christian life? You want to live a life of victory? You want to live a life of overcoming as more than a conqueror? Verse 13 says, this is what matters. Fear God and keep his commands. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.